Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back to the Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house. Thursday, August 1st, a new month, a new frontier, but the same old stinking swamp in our political system in Washington, D.C. You know, yesterday we mentioned that there was a Democrat debate and all of my colleagues who have 100% abilities to influence the current outcome of the current GOP debate that takes place every day in the executive branch, every day in Congress, they're missing an action. Well, we had another Democrat debate last night and we did it all over again. Meanwhile, we're getting screwed on issue after issue right now with a Republican president. And I'm going to get into the complication of Trump's personality, what opportunities we have with him, what we're not harnessing. He's going to drift if you don't lead him to the right place. You know, you could lead a camel to water, but uh, well, maybe with Trump, you could force him to drink, but that's only if you force him to do it. So we had this debate last night. Now, once again, I don't watch it. I just see some of the feedback because I can't I can't stand it. And frankly, I'm going to spend my time focusing on what I can influence. And believe me, there are many important issues going on. So what happened last night? All right. Well, the same thing that happened the previous night. The Democrats are extreme. We get that. But every day, their extreme policies get implemented. Okay, just a couple of minutes ago, the Senate gave away the leverage that Trump will have for the remainder of his presidency. Endless debt for two years, endless budget caps for two years, no funding for ICE or border security. And yes, there will be an appropriation bill in September, but the entire leverage to get spending on where we need it was to withhold from the Democrats the budget caps that they wanted or busting the budget caps that that was given away. It passed with 67 votes. 23 Republicans voted no, 30 voted yes. And it took McConnell 48 hours to twist three or four more arms because he didn't want the embarrassment of having majority of Republicans vote against it. And that was with only conservative review right here, CR, and maybe one or two other organizations scoring against the bill. Barely any pressure applied to them. Imagine if we would have had the counter pressure. Imagine if every single one of these conservative commentators, so-called alleged conservative commentators, would have expended their energy on influencing this budget debate. Imagine what we would have. They could not have passed this. I've been doing this for about a decade professionally. And what I've noticed is every time the more consequential the Democrat outcomes become, whether it's budget, whether it's healthcare, whether it's the border, whether it's social issues, whether it's foreign policy, the more tepid Republicans get, the more they capitulate what they used to be able to accomplish with just one branch of government. Now they can't accomplish with two or three. I mean, I just think back to the era of the Tea Party, 2009, 2010, what we accomplished even in 2011 when they took back the House. It's gone now. I'm here to tell you that Republicans could give the Democrats everything they wanted on that stage tomorrow in broad daylight with GOP control of the Senate, with Trump in the White House, and they're going to convince Trump that it's good. And then he'll support it. And then once he supports it, all the Teletubbies are like, "Woo, that's great. Here, look at this right here. I want you guys to look at a live shot of our buddies at Fox News and some of these uh, sacred cows on talk radio. Here's here's what they're doing right now. (laughs) Sorry, I had to do the Teletubby thing because that's what they are. Ooh, this is so good. Oh, this is a great budget. That was a brilliant move on the part of Trump. This is what these clowns don't understand about Trump. Okay? 
It's going to sound like I'm bashing Trump here, but if anything, let me defend him a little bit. The president cannot and will not carry this all on his shoulders. There is nobody in his administration. Sorry, let me scrap that. Very few people in his administration that are pushing to drain the swamp. They are the swamp. He's certainly not going to get that help from GOP leadership in Congress. They're going to move him to the left, not to the right. Okay? I don't think he lied to us with some of these campaign promises. He meant it instinctively. But when he gets in there, all the pull is in one direction. Every day, I speak to these people. I know who they are. There are people, small group of a ragtag forces of good people that are pushing for the policies that many of us want, the true MAGA agenda. And what is that MAGA agenda? I think it's embodied in the antithesis of what you see on the Democrat debate stage. The forgotten American taxpayer. A guy who's not an illegal alien. He's not sitting in jail. Everyone's for the people, the the criminals. He abides by the laws. He doesn't want any handouts, but he doesn't want to be overregulated. Just leave me alone. I want to work hard, earn a living for my family, but I don't want government market distortions and regulations creating artificial monopolies, asset bubbles, mortgaging my future. Just leave me alone. Just protect me from external threats, the border at the federal level, local chaos at a a state and local uh, governmental level, and leave me alone. Those people had no representation. The forgotten American taxpayer. And guess what? They have less representation than ever. But there are people in the administration on a daily basis who really genuinely are trying to hold the line on certain things. Now, here's what happens. Those guys are outnumbered. They need people like me, but people with bigger megaphones than mine. Anyone who calls themselves a conservative figure, influencer, Fox News host, radio host, um, think tank person, you need to blow, you need to give them air cover. But instead, the opposite happens. They sleep through doing the Teletubby dance. Oh, oh, oh look at the Democrats, they're so extreme. And then meanwhile, like, you know, the Trump administration swamp monsters are pushing the same stuff. And, and the good guys that we supposedly back are trying to fight it, but they need our megaphone. And then they get overrun. Inevitably, they convince Trump to go along with it. He's usually not too happy about it, but he's not going to say that. So he'll tweet out, oh, this is great for the military or something like that. And then at that moment is when we need to rise up and say, no, Mr. President, this is bad for the country. It's bad for you. It's bad policy. It's bad politics. You're giving away your leverage. And instead, the Teletubbies like, ooh, very good move, Mr. President. Like, you're so stupid. You're not, like, first of all, it's not about Trump or not Trump. It's about doing what's right for the country. But even if being pro-Trump is your end game, you're hurting him. It's just dumb. So, last night we have this this business, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren, who else was there? Kamala Harris, um, Joe Bite Me. All these guys. Okay. Do you understand that there's everyone has their hot take on the debate? Every conservative has their hot take on the Democrat debate. Somehow they're never involved in Republican primaries, trying to get better conservatives in the administration, trying to help me get people like DHS Secretary McAleenan fired. McAleenan is the DHS Secretary controlling immigration policy. He voted for freaking Hillary Clinton. But no one cares. MAGA, baby. So anyway, everyone has their hot takes. So I'm going to give you a sizzling hot hot take that nobody has. Okay? Every single one of the more extreme socialists, there's two exceptions, but every, every one of the extreme socialists on that debate stage, do you want to know something? They voted for today's budget bill. Elizabeth Warren just voted for it. I have the roll call. Elizabeth Warren voted for it. Bernie Sanders voted for it. What other person? Kamala Harris voted for it. Kirsten Gillibrand voted for it. Beto O'Rourke, this was last week and he's in the House, voted for it. Okay? So 
That's what we have here. 23 Republicans voted against it and really more wanted to vote against it. Mike Enzi, the budget committee chairman who is of the majority party. Have you ever had the majority party's budget chairman vote against the budget? It just shows you what a joke it is. It's an oligarchy. The man who was supposed to be different. You know, my professionally, I have fought every budget battle. Every budget battle for the last 10 years. You could go back into my archives starting from back when I was at Red State. And every time there was a debt ceiling or a budget, I said, look, here's the opportunity. Here's the leverage. Here's the range of outcomes. Here's the best outcome. Here's, you know, a middle ground outcome. Here's what's achievable. Here's how you message it. I've done this every time. And every time we had the same problem that, oh, no, there's nothing we can do. The Democrats have this or that, or even if we have all three branches, but this is the filibuster. Uh, uh, the government shutdown. That was the crap we heard day in and day out from establishment Republicans. All of you were tired of hearing that. Quintessentially, that's why Trump was elected over all these stuff shirt, you know, Jeb Bush types. Where you would literally have Republicans passing Democrat budgets. So Trump, as we speak, is signing. Well, I don't know what he's going to have the signing ceremony, but they it's. The Senate passed it. It paved the road for him to sign it. He is signing Elizabeth Warren's budget, Kamala Harris's budget. I want you to understand that. Two months away from a government shutdown. He's not forcing them to stay in for August. Which he can do constitutionally, by the way. We're, we're going to develop that and, and, and keep the pressure up as time goes on. It's just, what am I supposed to tell you? I, I, I can't get excited about the next election when nothing, they're not going to have more power than they have in the first term of Trump. And we're sleeping through every leverage point and excusing it. You're going to have the same thing in the second term. And again, to a certain extent, like I, I almost don't blame Trump. He's not going to be a Bill Buckley of our time a Phyllis Schlafly of our time. He's not going to be that. He's not going to be a Russell Kirk. He does have a bold side to him, and if you push him into that, he'll, he'll fight where some others might not. But if we don't care, he's not going to be more religious about conservatism than the voices that he perceives are influential and influence him. That's the bottom line. So yeah, I'm calling BS on all of you guys that call yourselves conservatives at Fox News, whatever network you're on, whatever radio show you're on, where are you? Where the heck are you? Elizabeth Warren is getting, I mean, you know, these guys vote against things at the drop of a hat if it's not liberal enough for them. This budget bill was liberal enough for Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, and Elizabeth Warren. There actually there were a few Democrats who voted no. They were the ones that are perceived as more moderate. Like they didn't want to get saddled with voting for endless debt increases. Even they understood that. It's ridiculous. I, I, I just, I don't know how you move on from this. And again, again, maybe tomorrow we'll talk about more of the fallout from the spending, the stupid monetary morphine of the Fed rate cuts printing more money, all the things we yelped about under Obama, somehow we don't care. Look, if there was a liberal policy under Obama I complained about, and I see it continuing, I'm not going to be like, oh boy, I don't want Trump to stop retweeting me. I don't want to get disinvited. No, I'm going to shout twice as loud because, you know, Obama's not going to listen to people like us, but Trump would. And, and that's the strong suit about Trump. He does care about what conservatives think about him. If you push him, he'll listen. But if you're silent, well, he'll, he'll drift. This has been the enduring lesson of the first two and a half years or so of his presidency. But anyway, it's not just spending. It's ICE funding. Where's his leverage? Guys, here's the problem. Even if we could slow down the trickle, which we're going to get to in a minute with our daily uh, border briefing, 
Um, it's not slowing down, really. If anything, there's signs it's picking back up even to higher levels. But even if it would slow down, because we have failed for so many years, and particularly the last 12 to 15 months with the border crisis, <clears throat> so we need more ICE funding. You know, my position is enforce current law. We don't need anything new. We don't need new policies. Enforce current law against wayward executive branch officials and wayward lower courts. That's the key. You do that, you solve the problem. You don't do that, you could pass whatever you want out of Congress, although they'll never pass anything anyway, and it's we're going to keep repeating the same cycle. But there is one thing we do need, and that is more ICE funding. Because since we haven't enforced the law, so many of these people have piled up, you got to get them out of here. So right now, um, the number of ICE, of, of people, illegals in ICE custody jumped from 52,356 to 55,185, nearly 3,000 uh, increase. That's a record. That is an all-time record. They're beyond capacity. They don't have the beds. And remember, there's a million illegals with final deportation orders, another 1.6 million with near final deportation orders still going through appeals, which they shouldn't have gotten in the first place. Different story. And we don't have room for 55,000 of them. This is the biggest problem. This is the backlog. They have released 218,000 people into our communities. No understanding of who these people are. We went through that yesterday. Where border agents have told me this for a while, but now a senator said it on the record. They are downright releasing people with warrants or arrests or convictions. Sometimes even in America, but certainly in Guatemala or Honduras for murder, pedophilia, you name it. We are worse off on immigration and budget-wise than under Obama. That is a fact. You could take that to the bank. Now, who do you want to blame? We could talk about it. It's, it's an amalgamation of a number of factors. It's an amal See, part of the problem is that when Obama would do some of this stuff, all my colleagues in this business would yell about it. Now, I'm the only one doing it because there's this false sense of security. Well, Trump's president, so everything's good. Well, it could be good if you fight for it, but if not, it's kind of like a false flag operation because then even the people who would otherwise complain are now silenced. Well, I don't want to insult Mr. Trump. Well, you're not, stop taking it personal. Trump actually appreciates when you push back against him, especially from the right. He does. Man up. Do MAGA the manly way. How about that? Jeez, this bothers me. But anyway, um, man, we've already blown through so much time here. I have so much to get to. Jeez, uh, so much going on. I'm so so wound up today. I started off being really uh, low energy like Jeb Bush, but then uh, I uh, drank a whole thing of Mountain Dew, and now I'm just out of control. Um, you heard it here first yesterday. TPS, Temporary Protected Status, one of the many amnesty programs that have been blown out of proportion. There's a reason I spoke about that yesterday. It sounds like an obscure issue. Aside from the budget, here's another policy that is, you don't need Congress, you don't need legislation, you don't need the filibuster, you don't need, you know, to presidential signature. This is something that the president could have rectified from previous administrations simply by doing nothing. He didn't even have to issue a new executive order. Simply maintaining the status quo. People like, okay, I'm not going to mention names, but I don't, I don't want to blow their cover, but there was a handful of good people in the administration that were pushing for the president to finally end temporary protected status. You know, like 20 years later, eight to 10 years later, that's not temporary. But guess who's DHS secretary? Two months after the guy leaked the operational details of an ICE operation endangering them from Antifa, anyone in the military would have done that, would have wound up in the brig at, at Fort Leavenworth. McAleenan is still acting DHS secretary, the Hillary guy. So McAleenan got his say and won out, and TPS was extended for the country of Syria. Yes, that's Syria. It, 
All I have to say is it didn't have to be this way. Tucker, Lara, two or three of them, Sean, they could have gotten out ahead of this if they would do what I do. You would have gotten Trump's campaign promise to end it. You know, I'm looking at a bunch of things here and thinking, you look at DACA, at least 400,000 of Obama's illegal amnesties have been renewed under Trump. Daniel, but the judge said, well, how could a judge tell you to violate law and give benefits to aliens? But even then, the judge didn't say that. As wrong as the judge was, the judge just said, you have to issue what's called an APA, an Administrative Policy Act procedure, where you have a 90-day comment period, and then you implement it. Now, I that's lunacy that this requires that, because you're merely countermanding an Obama policy. But the point is, why didn't Trump do that? You know why? Because no one in the administration wants to get rid of DACA, because they support it. It has nothing to do with the court. That's an excuse, and the proof's in the pudding. Do you know that, okay, so they're like, Daniel, there's nothing we can do. We can't, anyone who comes to our border, they could have Ebola, they could have measles, they could be a public charge on us, they could be, um, have sex with 100 kids, we have to let them in. All right, geez, okay, yeah, I mean, we've deconstructed that for a long time. Fine, okay. But then, at a bare minimum, what you don't have to do is affirmatively give them status and grant them a work permit. As of last year, before the major flow, the Trump administration had given out over 850,000 work permits to these people. It's completely discretionary under statute for, for legitimate asylees pending the application. You don't have to give it to them. You're really not supposed to give it to them, but certainly you don't have to. So you can't tell me, Daniel, the law's broken. It requires no, no, it, it actually doesn't. That still hasn't ended. I could go on and on. One broken promise after another. And again, I'm not talking about things like notice, I'm not saying he didn't get rid of chain migration. Because that's different. That's um that requires a rewriting of the INA that requires Congress. I'm not even, I'm not blaming him for that. I'm talking about things that executively. So let's go back to TPS. So this is another perfect example of how we're all having this fake fight. The red team and the blue team and the R's and the D's. And we all call each other racist and this and that. And the irony is the Democrats get what they want anyway, even under Trump. So last night, Beto O'Rourke said that Trump banned Muslims from America. Now, Obviously, what Trump promised on his, you know, part of his campaign promise, which was common sense, was to simply the fact that we've gone for two decades with record immigration from the Middle East. So I've done work on this. Um, you could Google Daniel Horowitz, two million immigrants from the Middle East. And we've we've brought in about 2.2 million from 9-11 to 2018. So it's not, you know, when we talk about, oh, should we not let in anyone? It's kind of a straw man argument. I'm not saying nobody, but numbers matter. I mean, everyone knows that. If you have a, a crap hole where they have terrible values, we all agree, no one wants America to be like the Middle East. If you bring in two, three people at a time, you could assimilate them and then they become Americans. But if you bring in hundreds of thousands of people, carte blanche, well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to understand that a lot of them are going to bring some of that mentality over. Hence, what we all see with Ilan Omar and a lot of people like her, she brings the anti-Semitism and, and you know, anti-Americanism over, and, and, and we don't want that. We can't vet these people. So Trump promised to have a cool-off, a moratorium, until we could establish a better vetting system. I mean, how do you, I mean, Bangladesh and Saudi Arabia and, and Yemen and, and, you know, they're not all going to be a problem, but a heck of a lot of them are, and you gotta you got to have a way of vetting that. So um, that's what he promised. And, and, and he's accused of, like, banning all Muslims. Ironically, like, 
All he did was say five countries where we don't even have any information because we're practically at war with these countries or they're failed states and there's no databases. We're going to cut it off. So it was Syria, Iran, Sudan, Yemen, and Somalia. Originally, Iraq was on there, but he caved to that. Trump watered it down several times. By the way, that's where the lower courts won. A lot of people think, oh, the Supreme Court, you know, said, of course, you could do this, which we all knew. That was, but but the problem is they stupidly watered it down. So it's not even like there's so many waivers and all sorts of stuff. Um, anyway, so it got watered down to that. Do you know that Trump just ex- extended TPS status for four out of the five countries? He already did it for Sudan, Somalia, and Yemen. Today he did it for Syria. What's next? Are we going to give TPS to Iran? I mean, so so much for that. Now. You know, this TPS business, it was issued in 2012 by Obama. Now, I want to just explain again, TPS is not if you come from any garbage country, like, we feel bad for you so you could stay here. It's literally if there's a logistical problem that you can't get back because there was a hurricane, it was designed to last for at most a few months. So this has been going on for seven years. And you know what? So according to law, it's only the people that happen to be caught in the country March 29th, 2012, when they issued it. But no, they wound up giving it to people who came all the way through August of 2016. We just had a Syrian refugee arrested by the FBI, as we've had many, for plotting to bomb a Nigerian-American church in Pittsburgh. I'm sure we've vetted these people probably. There's about 7,000 that have TPS status. He could have ended that simply by not renewing it. And he renewed it not just the standard six months, 18 months, which means it's going to be renewed forever. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not not trying to find cute in the weeds policies that no one ever heard of. I mean, this is big stuff. This cuts to the core of what he promised. And, and, And the situation at the border is just out of control. So McAleenan told a bald faced lie at a House committee last last week in testimony. He said that there has been no um big groups coming this month. It's not true. There were seven of them. They defined big groups as a hundred or more. Now, I'm going to tell you something here that no one else has has reported. And I've heard this from two separate agents in two different counties in Texas. They're getting orders to count. So what happens is you have to cross over the river. At least when you're going in Texas, there's the river there. So you don't have 500 people come across at once. They come across in rafts. But it's orchestrated by one smuggling activity. So let's say it's 200, but they come in rafts and 20 people apiece. They tell them now it's a change in policy to write it down in their event book. Like there's an event. Each one has a code, a number code, drug trafficking, human smuggling, whatever it is. And they they tell them to now write them as separate. So here's the dirty little secret. The big groups have not stopped coming. Why would DHS political leadership tell the agents to do that? Why are they so concerned and rather than they should want to magnify the problem, work with people like me instead of blowing me off from my email requests um, and say, hey, it's really bad. Congress needs to act. The president needs to act. No, they want to lie and just say it's not a problem. Everything that DHS political leadership is doing under McAleenan, under this president, President Trump, I promise you this, you could take it to the bank. His DHS secretary is weaker than Obama's. At least um, Jay Johnson. Okay, not, not Janet Napolitano. Okay, that, that's a different story. But, but, but Jay Johnson, for sure. It is, we don't have border patrol. We have diaper patrol. Their entire mission, everything they do, their press, their operations, their funding is oriented towards facilitating the smuggling activity and basically taking them off the hands of the cartels and facilitating illegal immigration. So they don't want to tell the truth. They are actually telling them to lie. 
But finally, they're finally admitting that more groups came in. This is a press release. Antelope Wells, New Mexico. U.S. Border Patrol agents working near the Antelope Wells port of entry apprehended 225 illegal aliens in the morning hours of July 30th. The group is comprised primarily of Central American families and unaccompanied juveniles. Actually, they didn't use the word comprised right. Our copy editor here at CR is is a big stickler for that. Um, Border Patrol EMTs and Border Patrol Search Trauma and Rescue Team Borstar conducted initial medical screenings and determined no member of the group required additional attention. You know, this really pisses me off. Sorry, David. I just uh, hit our uh, producer here. You know, um, man. Do you... Let me let me explain this. For, for those of you who don't know what Borstar is, man, does this piss me off. I'm 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 at a loss of words here. Border Patrol has sev- several special operation units. They're called one is Bortac, the um borders border it's Border Patrol's um tactical team, and Borstar is search and rescue. Do you understand these guys are trained by Delta Force? I didn't even realize how intense it was until recently. Um, there was a story recently, I think someone died in the training because there was a whole talk about what they're going to do with the training. Similar to what you hear with Spec Ops, you know, Green Berets, Navy SEALs, Delta Force. Um, they're, they're serious stuff. We have the worst human beings at our borders. I mean, you have no idea, those of you who listen to the show do have an idea. These cartels are, are the most horrible human beings what they're doing to the Mexican people, what they're, I mean, the people they're killing, they, they're worse than Al-Qaeda. They're, they're worse than anything. We need Borstar and Bortek to go up against them. Yet we take our most highly trained people to be oriented towards what? Catch and release, serving the illegal immigrants. It's all about servicing the illegals, not patrolling the perimeter, holding the line at the border of our security. Under this administration, under this DHS. So dumb. And then there's another thing. So anyway, I mean, they they are now being taken off the line to be used for this. They're used at the facilities. Why am I the only one talking about this? I have border agents that are emailing me. I'm just going to check now. I have more emails that are just, they are so frustrated. I'm going to give you another similar update in what's going on with Border Patrol. Do you know that border agents cannot get overtime pay for patrolling the border and pushing back against the cartels and doing their job to push back illegal immigration, which, by the way, is in the wording of the Labor Appropriations Act of 1924, which created the Border Patrol. They only get overtime for babysitting, for diaper patrol, for working in the facilities. I'm going to read to you a note from an agent in Texas. So he says, we, we are given three options, eight, nine, or 10-hour shifts five days per week. Two weeks equals one day period, one, one pay period, and in total we have 26 pay periods per year. Instead of overtime, we receive a percentage of our base pay depending on which shift we choose. Eight hours is nothing, it's just base pay. Nine hours is plus 12.5%, and 10-hour shifts is plus 25%. Anytime we work outside the hour shift, we are not paid for the work. We are given comp time. And then he goes on to say the comp time is very hard to get. The supervisors have to sign off and whatever. As it stands now, we are averaging between 9 to 15 agents actually on the line, less than 30%. So often you'll hear when they say 40% of agents are diverted to humanitarian. No, it's more than 70%. That's a big lie by McAleenan, one of one of his many. <clears throat> Because of the recent influx, overtime has been authorized to address the problem. What problem? Oh, the humanitarian challenge, not the open border problem. Each week, each shift at the station is given a certain amount of hours. The hours first come, first serve 
and also based on seniority because of the union. We can choose to work two hours of overtime per day or come in on our day off and work a full shift. The only stipulation is it has to be for the humanitarian work. Processing, record checks, port security, file creation, transportation. It cannot be used for border security. Here's the punchline. Say, for example, at the end of a shift, you are involved in a bailout. Right? That means so they come in with the vehicles and then they scatter in all different directions. And illegals are running everywhere in the neighborhood. Since this is your case, you have to catch them, right? You can't just say like, you know, this is not like this, the nerdy EPA jobs are sitting in your desk. Hey, it's 5 p.m. I'm out of here. Like you could have been on a 10 hour shift. It could be a middle of the night. But if you have, you know, illegals running loose smuggling, you got to go after them. So you have to get the vehicle towed to the station, do a vehicle packet, generate paperwork for the bailout, create a case for prosecution. The list goes on and on. Well, by this time, it is two hours after your shift ended and you finally get finished. Guess what? You do not qualify for overtime. Money talks. So if anything, this embodies the mission that Border Patrol has been given. You're going to get paid for taking care of catch and release, not for protecting the American people. What we have under this administration is handouts for Honduras, giveaways for Guatemala, everything for El Salvador, nothing for the American people. Under this DHS, it's all about the humanitarian. And again, our job is not to protect those people. It's to protect the American people from all the bad people that are coming over. And even the ones that aren't so bad, there's certainly going to be a fiscal burden. Our laws say that they are inadmissible. But if you care about humanitarian for Central American children, the way to do it is to hold the line and stop illegal immigration. Guess what will stop? The humanitarian crisis. Guess what will stop? Stealing babies because of catch and release if you end catch and release. And what is coming over the border? The child molestations are never ending. Never ending. Here, we got more. CBP officers at Laredo Port of Entry apprehend men wanted in Del Rio child indecency warrant. The apprehension occurred on Sunday, July 28th at the gateway to the America's Bridge. CBP officers conducted a primary examination on a male pedestrian arriving from Mexico and escorted into secondary due to possible match to an outstanding warrant. CBP officers conducted a fingerprint check and utilizing national law enforcement databases confirmed his identity, 59-year-old Antonio Silva Morales, a resident alien wanted by the Valverde County Sheriff's Office in Del Rio, Texas, on an outstanding warrant for indecency with a child sexual contact, a second-degree felony. How many more? Well, there's more every day. This is in Charlotte, Tennessee. Rural, quiet area. This is not like New York or L.A. A man believed to be in the country illegally is wanted in Dixon County. This is from yesterday. This is from WSMV. He's wanted in Dixon County for rape, rape of a child and aggravated sexual battery. According to the sheriff, 36-year-old Lucas Diaz-Nunez was last seen driving a gray 2008 GMC pickup. Um... He is known to frequent both McGrary Heights area of Dixon and Brandon Trailer Park. Um, if you have any information regarding the whereabouts of Diaz Nunez, you're asked to call the Dixon County Sheriff's Office. You know, just today, <laughs> the country of Rwanda closed its border to the Democrat Republic, Democratic Republic of Congo because of Ebola. Rwanda will close its borders, but we will not. We will not issue an 1182F shutoff. We would have done it. I bet Obama would have done it if Ebola would have gotten this bad in Congo. And they were like, it, it did get this bad in Ghana, um, in the Western Horn of, of Africa in what was it, 2016, 2015. 
but there wasn't evidence that they were really coming in the border. Here, we've had, you know, probably about a thousand of them. Let them right on in under this administration. I mean, if you look back to the president's promises, it's Orwellian. It's like Animal Farm, what has happened. And again, I'm not like completely trying to tear him down. I think he's willing to do what we want, but if we don't demand it and demand a course change, he's going to drift. And again, I just want to tell you from, from my border agent friends that, uh, man, I'm getting hot in here. So worked up. For my border agent friends, this business of the sex offenders coming in and the children and, and people grabbing a kid, do you understand what a joke it is? So I mentioned yesterday that they used to take 10-year-old kids, but then the kids would contradict the story of the parents. So now it created a market for them to grab infants because infants can't talk. Why is no one putting that out? But anyway, my, uh, my friend told me that they have it at the other end too, the other end of the age spectrum. So you have a 28-year-old, let's say, come in and they'll have a guy that maybe looks a little young and he's 20. Let's say he's 20. But he says he's 16 and he's the child of the 28-year-old. And the agents can be like, what the heck? You don't look like you're 16. Give me a break. That's nonsense. You have a full beard. Give me a break. And how, how in the world are you old enough to have this kid? I mean, I know they screw around and with the pedophilia and have kids really young, but I mean, there's a limit, you know? And, and, and they, they deal with this every day. Every day, this is what Border Patrol is dealing with. And yet, the president and Mitch McConnell left them high and dry for an entire August Ran out of town today. Done. They had so much, many opportunities. And I want you guys, um, our producer is going to put right here on the screen my piece, that an American August, a chance for the Senate to stay in and do 15 things for the American people, just messaging-wise on immigration. 15 winning issues. But, but no. Of course not, because... Um, Nothing, nothing matters. Nothing matters. We will not enforce current law. And the reason why it's so important to enforce current law, the reason it's so important is, um, you see, we're never going to fully be able to operationally secure every inch of every border. But if you have a functioning country where if you are detected, where essentially you can't live here if you're illegal. You might be able to get in, but you're not going to want to. Because the first interaction with law enforcement or government, if you're caught, you're out. You're caught and you're out. Our laws say that. Yet not only don't we enforce them, we have the opposite. The Third Circuit just ruled yesterday that illegals were able to sue cops for asking for their papers. And it's not like they were Americans and they, you know, wrongly detained them, which you're allowed to. I mean, I'm asked citizenship for all sorts of things. We always are. They ask American citizens for citizenship if they're citizens at um, checkpoints near the border all the time. But they turned out to be illegal aliens from Guatemala. They, they were. And they just won a lawsuit and they get to stay in the country suing for that, for enforcing the law. And no one, no one does anything about this. Why am I telling you this? Because in addition to our border here, we have a 5,500 mile border in the north with Canada. People don't realize it's not a straight border. It squiggles around. Now, that might include Yukon and Alaska, but it's a lot. We barely have any agents. We have like. 1,800 agents for 5,500 miles there. Then we have thousands upon thousands of miles of maritime coast. Um, if you just look at Maine, Maine is the coves, the jagged edges. People could always come. But if you enforce the laws, they won't come because it won't be pleasant for them. 
That's the key. Enforce the laws on the books, including interior enforcement. If you don't push back against judicial supremacy, we're done. Why do I mention that? Because guess what? Guess what the next shoot a drop is? The northern border. This is from CBP, and I know a lot of people in Maine. They actually invited me out to come. It's a cool place. They, uh, Instead of being on horses, they're on um, snowmobiles, at least in the winter, patrolling. They're also on boats because there's a lot of water there. U.S. Border Patrol agents arrested eight Mexican nationals in the Mars Hill area on July 23rd. Um, this is in Arusta County, uh, Maine. All eight subjects were cr- criminally charged with federal violations. One was charged with smuggling. Anyway, I know the chief patrol agent here, uh, Jason Owens. We actually had him on the show before. I'll have him on the show again sometime this month. And he mentioned, where is this here? Goes through the prosecutions. We are seeing a noticeable increase in apprehensions compared to this time last year. The Event is evidence of criminal smuggling activity around Maine's border areas and further exemplifies the value in maintaining positive relationships with our state and local law enforcement partners. See, folks, even if we finally operationally, let's say we built a wall to Mars, but if we still have the lawfare where if you get in, you can get a driver's license and we're going to sue the American people rather than suing them for stealing our country. We're going to give them work permits. We're going to, you know, we're going to sue the people and enforce laws. By the way, I have an article out today on the need to give the American people the private cause of action in court to sue when immigration law is not enforced. I believe this is the single most important thing to do, and I'm going to discuss why maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, but we'll link to that in show notes. We have many, many articles. We have about 15 articles out this week, all of them packed with information. Go to conservativereview.com. Take a look at my writings, Nate, Madam, Chris Pandelfo. Um, we do a lot with a small team there. Conservativereview.com, that's your website. Subscribe to the Conservative Review YouTube channel. Send it to 10, 15 of your friends. But I am told by people there that this is a serious problem. It's not just, oh, people happen to come there. That they are, there is a whole smuggling network. And, you know, Canada, Justin Trudeau is a fool. He, they they loosen their visa policies with Mexico. They'll come there and they have 5,500 miles with almost nobody in sight. They caught these eight, but how many did we not catch? And I was told this is not just an aberration. Now, it's not massive numbers they're seeing, but you don't know what you don't know. All the cameras and sensors and technology that they have at the southern border, they don't have at the northern border. Now, look, I'm not suggesting that we take 10,000 miles of maritime border and 5,000 miles of northern border and invest the same thing we invest with the southern border. I'm just saying enforce current law. It doesn't cost a dime. And last time I checked, we have a Republican in the White House, quite a unique one that ran on these very issues. Look, we're at at a time. I still got a lot of stuff in my stack. We're going to go over. But here's the bottom line. The reason we are where we are is the same reason we're going to continue to be where we are. Newton's laws of political motion, as I call them, something that remains in motion is going to remain, is something that, that, that is in a state of motion is going to remain that way until you apply an equal and opposing force. Equal and opposing force. Where is that equal and opposing force? We all recognize the problem. We talk about the swamp. But then when the swamp captures the president, we actually start becoming the swamp and excusing and some, somehow saying, like some of our brethren on talk radio and in this industry, now it was a brilliant maneuver. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the most left-wing things you know, that we railed against under Obama suddenly are the most brilliant things to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I have no beef with the president. I want him to succeed. Man, we have no choice. It's not like anyone's going to challenge him from the right in the primary. The Democrats are crazy. I agree we don't want them. But let's not implement their budgets and their policies. Worse than Obama. Let's get on the playing field. Let's engage. We could win this. 
you know, a lot of people think I'm a Debbie Downer. I'm not. I'm an optimist. I'm, I'm upset and I'm agitated and I feel a sense of urgency because we're losing this, but it doesn't have to be this way. Because the Democrats are so radical, most people agree with us. The problem is that there are so few real conservatives left in the political industry, political media industry. But when it comes to the average American, it's the opposite. More people are conservative than they think they are. They don't live their lives like this. Most people don't spend every minute on Twitter, ooh, is this racist? No, they just, everything is common sense. Especially people who have families and kids. Like Everything is determined by common sense. But yet when it comes to this, everything's not determined by common sense. You know, I'll close with this. One of my sons, even though my room is semi-soundproof here, but one of my sons heard me yelping about Ivanka, as we uh, endearingly call her, Ivanka Trump. And, you know, I was saying, I, I, I said, I said to my kids, if our country were, we'd be better off if our country were ruled by Zach. He's my youngest. He's the four-year-old. And my nine-year-old had a very astute comment. And he said something like, hey, that's actually true because if you explain to Zach in babyish terms what's going on, he'll understand it. <laughs> and he, what, what my nine-year-old basically said was a takeoff of Bill Buckley's famous comment where he said, I'd rather be governed by the first 50 or so names in the Boston Telephone book than by the, Har by, by the Yale faculty. He was a Yale alumnus. And what he was saying is that even your person that doesn't know much, but when approached with a certain decision, common sense will take over. But the people in government and policy and Twitter and media, and that includes my conservative brethren, they're so, their brains are so screwed up. Everything is so convoluted. They can't think about the straight and narrow. And that's how people like Ivanka thinks. Everything's a virtue signaling. So she's pushing that. She's pushing, she was pushing jailbreak today. A stupid column of how, oh, someone was locked up for too long and they got out onto the first step back. Hey, Ivanka, what about the hundreds of thousands, according to the FBI data, that are never prosecuted for rape, murder, assault, and robbery, much less undersentenced? How about you virtue signal for those people? But you know what? That would be true virtue. You have no virtue. You only have signaling. But we allow Trump's movement to be undermined by his own daughter. But if you want access to the White House, the dumbest thing to do is to call out his own family. But it's also the smartest thing to do if you care about the country. Someone's got to do it, so I'm going to do it. What a bunch of Teletubbies we're surrounded with. Anyway, before I blow, blow a fuse and go over time here, I really appreciate your comments, concerns, prayers. D. Horowitz at Blaze Media is the email. At RM Conservative is the Twitter. ConservativeReview.com is the website. CR's YouTube page is where you need to go to subscribe to this show. Um, it's also certainly still available in audio, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you hear podcasts. Till tomorrow, keep the faith, keep punching, and stay focused. God bless y'all.